Hey guys, it's your girl Boonie and you're listening to episode 32 of the Boonie Breakdown Podcast. The podcast where we sometimes cry, we always laugh, we might get a bit ratchet, but we're forever going to break it down. Uh, This week we have a solo episode, kind of, but it's just me. I have no guest on, or a formal guest that is. But I wanted to have an honest conversation this week about the lessons that we learn in life, but no one actually taught us. And if you could do things over, you wish someone would have told you this or taught you this. And so I asked my followers on social media, maybe like a week and a half ago, to kind of send in their thoughts about that and to share with me the biggest lesson that they had to learn on their own. So this is this week's episode. It's a compilation of their thoughts along with my narration because you love me. (laughs) But that's this week's episode. I don't want to waste any time, but I want to get right into it and go right to Booney's pick of the week. And I'm going to do something a bit different this week. I'm going to do more of a shout out, not an actual thing that I love. But news dropped today that AOL is killing instant messenger. And I just immediately thought about childhood. And maybe not my childhood, but maybe my like preteen, teenage years. So I just wanted to take a little moment of silence for instant messenger. thought we would get to see forever like I can't believe that AOL instant messenger is going away and I just had to think about like what was my little screen name on there and mine was all the number four so all for me O2 and O2 was the year I graduated from high school (laughs) so that was my instant messenger and like all the chats you would have with your friends and going in chat rooms and when you went in a chat room it'd be like ASL like age sex location so it's kind of like an end of an era with AOL officially deciding to pull the plug on instant messenger I can't believe it we're old as fuck right (laughs) like remember those like early internet days like these kids have no idea like how much of a privilege it was to get on the internet you couldn't everyone in the house couldn't be on the internet at the same time you couldn't talk on the phone and be on the internet you had to wait until everybody went to sleep you couldn't sneak on the internet because the shit made so much noise like like all that shit it was just such a big ordeal to go on the internet. And now we walk around with it in our pocket. So RIP to AOL Instant Messenger. And that is Booney's pick of the week. Um, just housekeeping stuff. Want to make sure to remind you guys to follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at The Booney Breakdown. You can follow us on Twitter at Boonie Breakdown. Know the on Twitter. Again, share with the hashtag Boonie Breakdown or pod in, P-O-D-I-N. Um, 
I appreciate it. You keep leaving those ratings on Apple Podcasts and on the Facebook page if you so desire. But I do want to do one more note this week. Uh, Probably as you're listening to this right now, I am on a boat. (laughs) I am officially on vacation. But I loved you guys so much that I had this planned in advance. So you still get an episode while I'm away. But with that being said, I probably won't be responding to any comments, any emails, any tweets, any Facebook posts that go out. But when I get back, I will go and respond to everything that you guys send. So I promise, I promise, I promise. But I am going to use this vacation to completely check out. And I just pray to God that that motherfucker in the White House, like when I come back, we aren't at war or whatever the fuck. But yeah, I'm completely checking out. So that's it for me, guys. And let's get ready to break it down. Alright guys, so this week's episode, I really wanted to dive into like, what are all of the lessons that we're all out here learning on our own? And I feel like over the course of life, like, we learn certain things from our parents, we learn certain things from our friends, from other family members, social circles, you know, your workplace. And I just feel like it's so much in life now. And I hear these common themes amongst my friends and a lot of people in my age group that (laughs) we wish someone had told us so we didn't have to learn it the hard way. And I know some lessons are best learned the hard way. It's no other way you would have retained it or you wouldn't have believed it had someone told you. But some things regarding money, relationships, health, it's like, why do we wait till things get to this dire situation before <laughs> we learn the lesson? And so I reached out on, I believe it was my Instagram, and I asked people to send in um, some of those lessons that they wish they could have avoided if someone had told them. And um, I did also on Twitter, and um, I hit up my own personal network because that's what networks are for. And I'll start since I said network. Like, that is one thing that I wish someone had told me um, is really how to utilize networks more. And I feel like we have these collections of people, whether it's where you went to school, where you went to college, um, where you work. But I don't feel like we, and especially I'll say black people, like we go to all these bullshit ass networking happy hours and luncheons and CBC networking shit. But does like how much stuff really comes out of that? And I look personally, the high school that I went to in the middle school, it connected me with some um, in some circles that I've otherwise probably would have never been able to break into. And I don't believe now as a 32 year old woman looking back, I did not use that network to its full potential. And so I wish, but that's also something that (laughs) probably the people in my family, my mom, my grandmother, they didn't know that. Like what was networking then? You know, you got a job, you stayed in it for 45 years, retired, got your pension. So what was the real purpose of networking? Because you didn't need it. 
But now, you know, people change jobs more frequently and we have side hustles and side careers that networks are so, so beneficial. And so I just look back on that saying, you know, I wish someone would have told me the power of networking or even how to effectively network, not just exchanging business cards and then you follow it away or you throw it away and you never follow up. It's like, okay, so now that I have this business card, when's the appropriate time to reach back out? How often do I follow up? Do I invite them out for drinks? Like, how do you do this without looking like you're just asking for someone, but you just really got, got the opportunity to meet and you want to make some type of relationship so that, you know what, you're like, hey... Barbara works here in accounting and I want to see I'm a CPA and I want a new job. How can I reach back out to Barbara who I met at the park (laughs) in DC at some networking event without looking like a leash? So I will say that is probably one lesson that I wish someone had told me and I'm sure I'm not alone there. One piece of advice, um, life advice that no one ever told me that I learned on my own was you can plan, plan, plan um, to get things done. But while you're planning, you know, your future, your goals and to get things done, you should also prepare yourself for um, what, how you will respond when things don't necessarily go your way or when your plan goes out the window or it's just falling completely apart. Um, I've had plans that were solid, so I thought. And something completely different happened. And the thing about it is what different happened was better than the plan that I had. But had I pushed and pushed to make my plan happen or to stay in that plan, I wouldn't be where I am and I wouldn't have gotten the things that were so much bigger and better than the plans that I had. So while you're planning, prepare yourself and teach yourself how to just roll with the punches because that is truly what shapes you and makes you who you ultimately become in life. And, you know, being able to just roll with the punches and being happy, that's what's most important. Like your peace and your happiness is most important than anything else. The one piece of life advice that I have learned is that you are not set in stone and that you are one than, more than one thing. Um, I used to think that I had to stick to the vision I had of myself when I was 13 years old and that because I had told everyone that I was going to be something, that meant that I had to be that. And that if I didn't follow that path, that meant that, I don't know, I was a failure. And that if I failed, you know, how do people view me and how do I view myself? And so the reality is that I'm a living and breathing person and that I'm allowed to change. So that means that whether, you know, I wanted to be a lawyer when I was 13 and I don't become that lawyer, I am allowed to change that. And, you know, even though I have people who thought I was going to be one thing, I'm not beholden to them. I am beholden to myself. Um, so that means that I can change my major. I can change my career. I can change my dreams. All of that is a part of who I am as a person and that I need to be um, beholden to the person I am in that moment at that time. And so people change and that's a part of growing up. And I wish that... I learned that a little bit more um, as I got older. So I think it would have solidified some things for me. Oh my God, those last two comments change. You know, the only thing that you know is going to happen in life for sure is change. And 
I appreciate the comment, the last comment where it was like, you know, I made this declaration when I was 13 of what I was going to be. And that was the plan I had to stick to for the rest of my life. And I think it's such a, a, it's so damaging to to do that. Like, I think it's cool to say, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up and have, you know, little kids have aspirational dreams. But I really think it's such a small percentage of people who, when they're saying that in second, third, seventh, ninth grade, that really know that's exactly what they want to be and they're going to do that. And I know over the course of my life, I said I wanted to be an engineer. I wanted to design cars. I wanted to be a teacher at one point. Like, (laughs) and I just feel like we get stuck in this, what I want to be when I grow up. And here I am 32 and I still don't really know what I want to be when I grow up. So I just kind of go with where life takes me. And if it's fun, I keep doing it. When I get bored, I move on. And I just feel like we have to learn to be fluid. And it's something that we should teach the younger generation that, you know, just because this is the plan that you make, like I'm going to go to school and I'm going to um, go to nursing school and I'm going to be a nurse. But then you you become a nurse and you're practicing and you're doing that for five years and you find out you fucking hate nursing, that it's okay to be like, you know what, I'm going to try to go be a baker because that's what makes me happy. And I feel like we just have to break that rigidness of what dreams actually are. The one piece of advice I wish I had as a young person is always keep aiming for your dreams and never allow anyone to be a dream killer. Once you allow people to be a dream killer, you're always contemplating or wondering the what ifs. What if I had... Should I, if I had gone this way, what would have happened? Although our destiny is already determined for us, people or things or outlooks in life that kill our dreams can also kill you slowly. So always keep shooting for your dreams, aiming for your dreams is the piece of advice that I wish was said to me or told to me when I was younger. Now that's another good one to keep aiming for your dreams. And I feel like we often let people get into our heads and like the person said, like talk you out of your own dream. And I also think that like, no matter how many dreams there are, what your dreams are, you should always try to keep going because you don't want to look back And you're 90 years old and you look back and you're like, fuck, (laughs) I should have did that shit. (laughs) And also the thing there, too, is like, I feel like in this day and age, like it's never too late to accomplish your dream. So if it's something you might not be able to get through all 15 that you have. But if you look up and you're 70, you can still at least accomplish a couple of your dreams that you might have put off because of naysayers. And so, yes, always live for your dreams. No matter what they are, you can do it. And when I asked the question on Twitter about, you know, 
what's the one lesson you wish someone had told you? Someone responded with something that was so super short, but kind of profound. And I think sometimes we get lost in this space too. And I know I will. So I'm going to play this small clip. I mean, it is very short, but it's pretty profound. Success changes your definition of success. I told you it was short. You might have missed it. But success changes your definition of success. And I feel like we make these goals, we make these accomplishments. And when I read that, I was like, whoa, stop the press. Because I feel like some of us, our dreams or our life aspirations were, okay, I'm going to get married. I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to have these two kids. I'm going to get the dog. I'm going to have a great career. And bam, I'll be happy. And I, I've succeeded and that's it. But then it's like once you've succeeded and you've crossed off all these things, how do you maintain your happiness if you don't replace them with something else? And so it's like once you've succeeded in one thing, like, okay, well, that was kind of easy for me. The way I interpreted that was like my definition of success has now changed because will I no longer be successful again because I've already done all of these things? (laughs) so it's like I I love that when he said it it was just like success changes your definition of success I think the one piece of advice that I really had to learn on my own was the value of saying no and I'm a Libra I'm a people pleaser I love to you know put a smile on someone's face Um, and I grew up in a home in an environment that was always welcoming and that always put service first and always put other people's needs before their own. You know, I watched my mom, she was a pastor and people would call all hours of the night needing prayer, needing covering or needing the pastor to go to the hospital and things like that. And on the flip side, growing up with a grandmother who would host parties and would host, you know, entire Baltimore City in her row house, in her basement. She had a dance floor in her basement. She had a bar in her basement. She was lit. Um, And so saying no to people just did not come natural. But when I turned 30, I had to really, you know, take up for my sanity because at one point I was saying yes to things over my better interest, right? I was saying yes to things over my sanity. I was saying yes to things over my comfort. I was saying yes to things over my, over what I, I was just saying yes to things I shouldn't have said yes to. And so now I only operate, you know, in my life. Like if I choose to do something, it's because it's going to benefit me and my spirit and my psyche. And that does not mean I'm selfish, you know, because Sometimes self-care is selfish, but it just means that I am choosing a little bit more carefully how I like to spend my time. And I think when you do get older, when you do have more responsibilities, and when you do think about the mortality of life, like I have so many friends who are who are dying, unfortunately, and you're like, am I going to choose my last minutes doing something I don't want to do or doing something that's going to fill me up, doing something that's going to serve my community, doing something that's going to to benefit life and you know and so I'm choosing ever more carefully what I say yes to and what I say no to and um and it feels good that was a word right there she is choosing ever more carefully 
to say no to things that don't serve her. And I think when someone told me this once before, (laughs) I felt stupid, but I've been repeating it ever since. No is a complete sentence. And often you, we feel bad because we feel like we need to offer an explanation of why we choose to say no to something. But saying no is sufficient and you don't have to say anything more if you don't want to. And I think that goes into learning to make your own decisions because you're laying the foundation for your own life. And you're the only one who gets to live it. And so you have to learn and have the power or like the discernment to say, no, I don't want to do this and being comfortable in saying no. And I was having a conversation with a friend um, who's having an event and she was sending out, you know, personal invitations. And she was saying, you know, how that's working so well for her. And I'm like, that's great. And that's dope. And I said, you know, if, you know, when I'll use the example, when time comes around for me to do this live podcast, like, I don't want to have to personally invite people. Um, and I was like, you know, if that's the case, I'm not going to have this event because I just don't have that in my spirit. And when she was saying how it's been so successful, I'm like, well, am I going to have to do that? Is that the way you you have successful events now? But then I thought about it and I'm like, is it that people really cherish the personal invite, which I'm sure some people do? Or is it that people really just have a hard time saying no to a direct ask? And I think it might be a combination of the two that some people just really do like it. We get so much information that you weed stuff out. So someone putting it right there in your face, right there asking you, and you have to make a choice. It's helpful in the sense that you didn't have to search it out all, you know, through all the clutter that it was right there and it was an ask. But I do think part of it is that play where people just can't say no to a personal ask. They feel like a bitch. They feel like a dick. They feel rude because they're saying no. Like, no, I don't want to go to your event. No, I don't want to come to your birthday party. No, I don't want to braid your hair. Like, you know, we've been conditioned to say choosing. And it's not even be a choice. It's just I don't want to, so I'm not going to do it. And so no is a complete sentence. So I'm appreciative of that last comment. The one thing I wish somebody would have told me about was keeping up with my vision. I went to doctors for normal checkups. Never thought, you know, when I was younger, and I guess in my 20s to check, um, have my eyes checked because I didn't wear glasses. But kind of find out, don't matter if you don't wear glasses or not, you still need to get your eyes checked. So eventually I found out um, about two years ago that um, I have like a glaucoma. It's not bad in one eye, and it's really bad in my other eye. I lost a lot of vision in one eye, but um, I wish I would have kept up on it or known to keep up on it, and and I'm just paying the price for that right now. Ooh, that's a big one. And even though that person was specifically talking about their vision, I do believe health overall Um it's probably a lot of things there that I feel like I also probably didn't learn. Um, 
I was talking to some friends a couple weeks ago and I had made the comment that I can't ever in my life recall seeing anyone in my family work out. And when I said it, they kind of laughed and they were like, oh shit, I don't think I ever saw anyone in my family work out either. And so that was just not a practice of people in my family. Um, So that's like a behavior that I'm trying to teach myself and to stay consistent with now because got to keep moving. You don't want to fall apart because you only get one body to live this amazing life that you're trying to live. And I think coupled with that too is the food argument. A lot of us, you know, this whole new age of gluten-free and sugar-free and fat-free and this-free that (laughs) depending on the type of household you grew up in, you had fried chicken and and you might have been eating pig feet and hog mugs and all that stuff. Now, I personally don't eat no goddamn pig's feet and chitlins and that shit, but I do know people who do and because their family did and because the people before that generation and their family ate it. And so I feel like we're in this whole new space where we have access to so much information. We have access to all different types of health remedies and food remedies and that we can be more conscious about what we put into our bodies and we can be more conscious about how we move our bodies. So like I always say, yes, I'm a fat girl. I'm trying to do better. I am going to do better. I'm going to stop saying I'm trying. I am going to do better. But um, yeah, I just thought even though that person was specifically speaking about vision, like that is something that I would think if I didn't wear glasses and I never had trouble with my eyes, <laughs> why do I need to go to the eye doctor? And I think we can probably, each of us, relay that to some type of specialty doctor that we've been to since we've gotten old as fuck. Like, you know, for me, and this is not anything to do with that, but, like, I felt old as fuck when I went to the podiatrist for the first time. Like, the podiatrist. Like, that's just, like, in my mind, like, an old person doctor. Like, the elderly people go there and... I was there at like 29 getting a cortisone shot in my foot. But I digress. So I do think that is another topic that I, too, outside of um, pretty strong um, traits and diseases, etc., that run in my family, there wasn't any much uh, talk about health outside of those things. So I feel like I got the most insight, like the the, the two most popular subjects were relationships and money. Shocker. Um, And I'm sitting here like, I don't know which one I want to go into first, but I thought it was interesting that that were, those were the two categories that I got the most feedback in that they wish people had talked about. So I don't know. Money relationships, which one do I want to go first? I'm leaning towards relationships to knock that out and save money to the end. Um, maybe there's a bridge in there where someone asks, someone said there's something about relationships and money to tie together. But let's head into these relationship thoughts. As a young person, I was never told that having sex uh, was more than just a, a physical commitment. Um, there's an emotional side that I now understand as an adult that I wish I would have had um, more knowledge about as a as a younger person. Relationships. Got married when I was 22. I was divorced by 26. For some reason, 
my ex decided we should be friends instead of being married. To this day, she never gave me a clear and concise reason why she wanted to get a divorce. I think part of it could be because um, she had two miscarriages and she felt as though um, I wanted kids. Actually, at that time, I didn't want kids, but I grew to love her little boy like he was my own. So if we'd have just had him, I'd have been fine, you know. I wasn't a real big stickler for, you know, having kids. So if she couldn't have kids anymore, been fine with me, especially the way this crazy world's going now. But, um, yeah, um, she never really broke it down and told me, you know, that I was doing something wrong or something she didn't like. She just up and decided she just wanted to roll out. And I even suggested marriage counseling to see what the problem was, and she didn't want to do that. So I was like, all right, peace. If I could share one piece of advice that I wish had been passed on to me growing up, it would be how to not be overly independent in relationships. I found that by being raised by a very strong-willed, independent African-American woman, I was taught not to rely on a man for anything. This has caused problem after problem in relationships as I feel like I need to be in control of everything finances, love relationships, dates, just everything. I'm just a control freak at this point. I wish that had been shared with me how to be a little bit more attentive and not have to be in control all the time. <laughs> so um, those are the relationship lessons that I received. And... Um, I didn't want to provide any commentary in between them because it's some things about relationships <laughs> I wish someone had told me to. But I think the one that um, kind of related to me a bit the most was um, the woman who was saying that, you know, being raised to be an independent, strong black woman. And I, I even today saw someone on Snapchat um, who said that, you know, these older women read her for filth in saying that she comes across as intimidating because she's so independent and she comes across as high maintenance because she likes nice things. And I feel like um, the norms of a relationship haven't caught up to where women are in society now. And I think we're kind of stuck in this sense that you know men are supposed supposed to provide and uh, protect and I still feel like you can provide even if I can buy myself you know a vacation to Africa or I can buy myself Chanel bags like just because I have the means to take care of myself in a nice way I don't think that should impact a man's ability to think that he can't provide for me just because I treat myself nice. So, but I do hear some of my single female friends um, get that message a lot that as we're older, we own homes, we have all these checklist items, but we're still single and how that impacts our 
love lives. So I can relate to that one a lot. And um, I think it was another one about communicating and uh, expectations and um, how things can go south in a relationship when you aren't speaking or there's hurt there and you don't know how to communicate. So maybe that's it, like communicating through hurt when you love someone. And, and that first one about um, wishing someone what someone told you about sex is the emotional aspect. And looking back, I don't think, you know, it was just make sure you do it with someone that you won't regret. But there was no conversation about the emotional aspects of sex. You know, everyone make sure, make sure you don't have no baby. Make sure you don't catch STDs and you're, you're having safe sex. But I guess there really isn't... Um, if I look back, I can't say I had too many conversations about the emotional aspect of when you decide to have sex with someone. So that was a good one, too. And so now I think of my favorite subject, um, money, money, money. <laughs> I oftentimes, and I think I even wrote a blog post about this maybe a year or two ago, how growing up, I did not learn about finances. And um, I knew how to balance a checking account and how to make money and the basics. But I didn't know about, you know, credit cards and managing debt and investing and none of that sophisticated, I guess, um, things. And even though I knew um, the, some of the older women in my family could financially provide, you know, I would go ask my grandmother for something. And instead of saying like, oh, I'm going to go to the bank or I'm going to take out a loan or whatever, she'd be like, the Lord going to make a way. And so I used to joke that like in my house, Jesus was a banker because <laughs> the Lord always made a way. But I don't know the action <laughs> that was taken for the Lord to make a way or how the Lord made a way. Um, so yeah, that's not helpful now as an adult, you know, just to say the Lord go and make a way. <laughs> that does not translate when I'm paying my bills every month or budgeting, et cetera, et cetera. So here's some other lessons that people wish they had learned about money. One thing that I had to learn on my own, uh, was credit cards. Um, all my mother ever told me was don't get a credit card. She never ever explained why I shouldn't get a credit card or what are the uh, consequences of not maintaining um, good credit. So I had to learn that on my own and I had to consolidate um, my debt at a very, very early age, like right out of college. Um, thankfully, my credit is back um, on par um, or gaining. So, um, yeah, that's one thing that I'm definitely planning on having a conversation with my children about is, you know, the whys of debt, like why you don't get a credit card unless, you know, you're ready to take on the responsibility of paying that bill because it doesn't disappear. It's something that sticks with you forever. Um, and, you know, you have to be responsible enough to handle that. And, you know, that's a lesson that I had to learn on my own. I wish someone would have told me about um, credit cards and debt and credit score and all that type of stuff. 
um, when I was younger. I grew up thinking credit credit cards were, were the devil and that you should never use them, um, that they would um, mess you up financially and mess you up for, you know, long term and things like that. But I never really had a good understanding of, um, of what having a good credit score meant, of how you can use a credit card in a um, in like a healthy, productive way. So I feel like there are some things, some pitfalls that I could have avoided if I would have um, if I would have known some of those things when I was in college, when I you know got my first credit card. Um, yeah, because I got a credit card in college and didn't know what I was doing with it, so I just used it and um, ran up ran up a bunch of credit card debt and then had to deal with the consequences later. Credit card debt. Oh my god. So like that last person, you know. I remember the people standing outside the student center at Temple University. Hey, don't you want this t-shirt that says college on it? Yay, come sign up for a credit card. And I avoided them as long as I could. And finally, I saw everyone walking around campus with the college t-shirt or the bag or whatever the fuck. And so finally, one day, I filled out the application and asked for income. And I'm like, I don't got no job. And they said, well, put what you get for financial aid. Boom. That's what I did. I will never forget the day that credit card came in the mail. We hopped our asses on the, I don't know, it was the M125 and went out to King of Prussia and swiped that bitch up. <laughs> now, it was good fun. I had a great time. Ask me what the hell I bought. Mm. I remember being fortunate enough with that credit card that I was able to call my grandmother and she paid it. And told me, don't let my dumb ass get another one. But what my dumb ass do? Get another one. <laughs> Did the same shit. Didn't tell her. And then I had to like struggle to like pay that card off. And so again, I think <laughs> knowing the whys and hows of how credit cards work. Because they aren't the devil. Um, but you do have to be smart and understand how to use them to your advantage, which I feel like some of us got a slower start and we're just figuring that out at in our early or mid-30s. And that's far too late, far too late. When I was younger, I wish that someone had told me not to take out student loans. They are great at the time and they get the job done with funding your education, but they are the bane of my existence now that I am an adult and I'll be paying them for at least another 20 years. Yikes. When it was time for my son to go to college, I made sure that we talked at length about what the options were going to be for funding his education. Thankfully, he ended up getting a full scholarship, but even if he hadn't, we would have had to find a way around student loans because I don't want him to suffer the same fate that I have. In addition to academic scholarships through the school, we looked at music scholarships, we looked at private scholarships um, that were given out in the community and various organizations. We even looked at the possibility of his going to school overseas where education is much, much cheaper than it is in the US. So wish someone had told me, but I'm thankful that I knew better so that my son could do better. So the one piece of advice that no one ever told me and that I learned on my own is that truly, honestly, the student loans are not worth it. I have a great education and has afforded me the opportunity to have very well-paid jobs. 
but it still is not worth the stress and the debt <laughs> that I have in my student loans. If you can, just find someone, and you can, don't believe that you cannot, but you can find someone, some company, some other way to pay for your education. Go to schools that are local, find scholarships, work, um, maybe take time off and work for an employer and then have them pay for you to go. But um, under no circumstances is it worth you incurring that debt um, for college. You know, get creative. It's just not worth what it holds you up from doing um, in the long run or what it obligates you to do in the long run. It's just not worth it. Student loans are not worth it. Like, if someone had told me, I mean, I really wish someone had, I would not do it. I have honestly said financing my education was the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. And I stand by that. I would stand by it in a shoe. I would stand by it in a car. I, <laughs> I legit think if I ever smoked crack in my life, I would still choose financing and education as the dumbest thing I've ever done. And kind of like the last person said, like the obligation that it ties you into for the rest of your life. It is, it, it, it feels like shackles. It feels like shackles. And um, if Tina Campbell had not said that she voted for Donald Trump, I would have did a Mary Mary reference there. But, you know, fuck her. So I digress. <laughs> but literally, I just feel like every other piece of debt I have, like I see the balance going down. Even my mortgage. I've seen the balance go down, but no, it feels like no matter how much I pay on these student loans, the balance goes down $10 a year, $10 a year. <laughs> so I am fed up. I tell every person I can, every young person I can who goes to college, baby, don't do it. Do not find it. And college is so expensive. In my opinion, it's not worth going to college if you're going to come out with anything over 40 grand in debt. It's not worth it. It is not worth it. Find some other way, as that person said. I appreciated the other person who said they spoke with their son about finding a way to make sure that he would not go into debt over some dumb college degree. And even with the credit cards, I know one um, submission said that she intends to speak with her children about it. And I feel like of all the things that is that we learn in schools that are bullshit, that are fucking useless, like, I don't need to learn how to add letters. Like, why the fuck did I learn that for two and a half years in, in school? Like, adding letters, it doesn't even make sense. But nobody taught me how to manage a checkbook in school. No one taught me how to manage a bank account, what overdraft fees are. Like, no one teaches this stuff until you look up one day and your account is $100 in the negative and the bank is charging you $40 because you're in a negative and you're confused. Like, well, I don't have no money. Why are y'all charging me money for the money that I don't have? 
So stop teaching these children dumb shit in school and let's teach them useful things. And so, yes, I will always, no matter what I do in life, financing this education was the dumbest thing I've ever done by far, by far. So, yes, money. I just feel like we don't speak about it in whole. And I know all of these submissions were focused more on debt. But I even think we we don't have conversations about how to be smart with money. We don't teach saving money. We don't teach investing money or creative ways to use your money, creative ways to um, what kind of accounts you should have your money in. Should I just have a checking and savings? Should I have a long-term savings? Should I do a money market account? We don't teach the difference between a mutual fund and an ETF fund when you're investing. And these are all the ways that you make wealth. But you best be sure that when your 17-year-old ass goes to college, they push in some promissory notes in your face to lock you into debt for the rest of your fucking life. And so, yes, money, no one wants to talk about it. And I'll even take it a step further that, you know, I'll say even Still, I wish that especially women and especially black women, uh, Hispanic women have conversations about their salaries. And I know, you know, if you work in the public sector, your salary is public knowledge. But especially when I was in the private sector, um, (laughs) You don't know that you're being underpaid and you don't know that your colleagues are being underpaid because you aren't talking about your salary. And I feel like if more women would share how much they make, you might be able to see the inequity in salaries and we could tackle that issue. I know once when I was working at a major corporation, it was three women on the team and one guy and all of us had degrees. The guy did not. And for some reason, he just glibly said his salary because he assumed since we all had degrees, we made more money than him. And shocker, he made more money than all of us. And we had no idea. We were so pissed. But he just, he said it because he was just like, oh, I know I'm the brokest one at the table because I don't have a degree. And he said how much he made. And we're all like, what? And at the time, he was making almost like eight grand more than me. I think six grand more than someone else. And maybe four grand more than the other girl. And so that's when we finally shared our salaries. And so it's like, how do you, you battle income equality if we don't even talk about what our income is? So maybe even in your small circles. You know, I, I know what some of my friends make. Um, others, I guesstimate, but I do think we should even share that. Or even when, as you know, no one wants to share their dirty laundry, but you can be like, girl, I had $45,000 in credit card debt, but these are the steps I did to overcome that and share that with someone. You, no one talks about it, but I'm pretty sure someone in your circle is drowning in credit card debt too, but we don't talk about it. So just be more vocal. So that's it. I think that there were commonalities, as you can see, from the various groups of people who sent in submissions. So again, I want to thank everyone who took the time to send in what your lesson learned that you wish 
you didn't have to learn in the manner in which you did. Um, and I hope someone listening hears this, hears that you're not alone. And I also would kind of invite you guys that if you're tweeting or Facebooking this or on the Instagram post for this episode, um, feel free to leave your lesson. I would be curious to know some other ones. Maybe it's something you thought you would have heard today that we did not get to, but I would be curious to know. So let me know. I think our themes were relationships. We went a little bit into health, uh, money, life plans, and the power of the word no. So again, just tweet me if you're on Twitter, leave it on the Facebook page, you can leave it on the Instagram, or you can email me at thebooniebreakdown at gmail.com if you would like. But I would love to hear some of the life lessons that you guys have. So that is it for this week's episode. I want to thank you for listening. Again, just a reminder, I am on vacation. So as you're sending those in, I probably won't be responding um, right away, but I will respond when I get back and get access to internet again. Um, Again, follow us on Facebook and Instagram, uh, The Boonie Breakdown. You can follow us on Twitter, just Boonie Breakdown. Uh, send in questions, comments, concerned as always to the Booney Breakdown at gmail.com. You can also use the contact form on the Breakdown.com. And yeah, share those screenshots, leave reviews on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. My droid folk, you can leave a review on the Facebook page if you so please. So that is it for me. Until next time. Oh, 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 oh,